What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's where all my fantasy baseball content goes out. These shows, the links to my articles, all the different threads I pull together, everything is over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. So please do check it out. Give me a follow over there. Today, we're going to be getting you set for the second half. We're going to talk about some players who have been added over the last week or so while there have been no games. It's about four days now without games, although it feels like forever since we've had an actual baseball game. So we're going to talk about some of the players who have been added quite a bit and even some drops over the last week. We're going to focus on the ads, but we'll also we'll do a full waiver wire breakdown. So usually what I do on any given day, for those of you who are new to the show, I go through probably about 10 to 12 of the most added and dropped players. We'll do something similar today, but just not focusing solely on the last 24 hours. We're going to look back over the past week up worth of ads. There's only six games today, a couple of double headers, so I'll get you guys set for those games as well. We will run through those matchups. But the first thing I'm going to do is we're going to talk about some players who have been added quite a bit today. There are some who are being added like crazy, and the first one is Domingo Herman. He's been added in a lot of leagues. His roster percentage has jumped 24% over the last week. He was at 12. He is now at 36. He will be starting today, I believe, the second game of the doubleheader. Yeah, so he'll get Houston on the road here in his first start back in the bigs. Now, Herman's made a couple of starts in the minor leagues. He's thrown 10 innings. They were shutout innings. On the surface, very good stuff. When you start to dig in a little bit, his ex-fit was 456, which is really not great. That's pretty much trying to remove all the factors that the pitcher doesn't have in their control and essentially tells you how, what the quality of the pitches that they're throwing, what you can expect to have happened. The ex-fit is 4.56. He only managed to strike out five batters. He stranded all the six base runners he allowed on, and the BABIP that he was allowing was 148. Definitely not going to sustain any of those numbers, really, although the XFIP, I think, can sustain. The strikeouts, five and ten innings, you figure he'll probably you know, be able to do a bit better than that. Straining these base runners, it's only six, yes, it's a very small sample size, but it's not something that you can uh, expect to see continue. I mean, you look and you see, oh, no runs over ten innings, but when you really start to dig in a little bit why he wasn't allowing runs, there are, there are factors here that are showing it was – it was luck. It was really just luck-based. If you look back at his history in the bigs, he's pitched to a 4.54 ERA and 4.14 xFIP. He's got an extensive injury history at this point. I'm not rushing to add him, especially not for today against the Astros. There's no need for that, really. In a deeper league, I've talked about over the last week or so, how in a, in a deeper league and even you know maybe 14-team league, you can take a gander on him, but I don't really think it's that necessary, especially seeing that he's starting today against the Astros. There's, I, w- I wouldn't be starting him. If you are going to add him, I'd put him on the bench, see how he fares in his first start of the year. It's a tough lineup. We all know this. And depending on where you play fantasy, there are going to be different... Uh, you're going to be at a different stage of your week, depending on if it's Yahoo or ESPN. So just for example, if you're playing in Yahoo, today is clean slate, you're starting off 0-0. Your matchups run until Sunday, July the 31st. If you're playing on ESPN, then this is the end of the week that started on July 11th, and you just have a couple of days left in your week to really put the finishing touches on it. So regardless of whatever format it is, whether this be the beginning of the week or the end of the week, 
I think there are better options than Herman. Let's say you have a couple days left in the week. This is a pretty risky start to put him out there and trust him against Houston, hoping he's not going to blow up whatever ratios you had established before the break. Maybe he'll get you a couple strikeouts. Maybe he gets you a victory. It's just a little bit too risky. And on the other side, if this is the start of a brand new week and you have 10 days-ish for this week, I don't think that a lot of places, uh, for Yahoo anyway, you don't have any more ads. You have uh, my home league is six ads per week. It's still six ads per week for this extended week. So if you are going to be using any ads before we get to Sunday, then you have to factor in next week you have Let's say you use two ads. The next week, you have only four when you're used to having six. So little things like that need to be considered. Herman is definitely not my favorite option. If you're looking at streaming options today in general, there's not really anybody that's blowing me away. A lot of regular starters are going today. Christian Javier, Pablo Lopez, John Gray, who is more or less added all over the place now. Uh, Luis Garcia, Frankie Montes, Rodon. There's a lot of established guys going today. Not a lot of room for streams. There's only six games. So I'd probably hold off on the streams until the weekend, to be honest with you guys. Herman is not my favorite target here. If you did add him, I would I would throw him on the bench here, at least for this first start. Let's move on to Ramon Urias. He was really hot heading into the break. He finished off 15 for his last 39. He's got three homers, 20 runs plus RBIs. He's eligible at second, third, and short. That is exceptionally rare. Not well, Maybe not exceptionally rare, but for a guy to have that kind of eligibility and be producing – is really, really hard to come by. So if you can grab your Urias and ride this hot streak in a 12-team league, he's a good guy to have at the back of your bench. You can plug him in when one of your dudes has an off day. I think there can be a lot of value there. In a 15-team league, I'm at the point of thinking he's like pretty much a must-add in 15-teamers. The way that the Orioles have been playing, yes, <clears throat> they're likely going to fall off a little bit here. The Orioles have been overperforming for sure. But Urias has fairly sustainable stuff. He's got the 93rd percentile hard hit percentage. That's really solid. He's making good contact. Eligibility all over. He's not going to steal you many bases, but giving you that versatility uh, on when guys sit or are injured is really key. So I like Urias a lot. Aaron Hicks is the next guy I'm going to talk about here. Now, I was fairly worried after he missed a couple of games there. He fouled the ball off his shin. I thought the hot streak that he was on was probably over. Now, he's come back. He's played in a couple of games. It's really hard to tell if he's still back, quote-unquote, but he started two games. Uh, he went two for seven in those games, drove in three runs. So I think that he's a solid add if you have a five-outfielder format. If you're in a three-outfielder league, there's probably better options depending on the size of the league, but I think if it's just a standard 12-team, three-outfielder league, there's probably better options. With that being said, though, I think he's potentially a standard-sized guy if he if he keeps it up. If he keeps driving in runs, stealing bases, hitting the odd home run here, uh, I think that he can be an ad in, let's say, leagues between 12 and 15, but I would lean more right now as a deeper-slash-five-outfield format guy. But you're definitely keeping an eye on Aaron Hicks in that Yankee lineup. I think that he's still someone who can have a, a decent bit of value despite his stock plummeting over these last couple of seasons. Uh, Leody Tavares, he's been scooped up quite a bit, but he's looking at about 55% rostered on Yahoo and about 23% rostered on ESPN. So I like Leody Tavares a lot. I think that he can provide you a good little boost in steals. I don't know that this batting average boost is really going to stay. He's got a 426 BABIP. That's obviously not going to sustain. He'll probably end up with a BABIP somewhere in the low 300s and bat 250 to 60-ish. 
it's hard to say. He's gotten off to an extremely hot start here, so he'll be coming down from a place of having you know been batting 340. And it might take a while for it to really come down. But overall, I think that he is a streamer to help with steals, give you the odd home run. And he's, he's not someone who you can add and think this is a rest-of-season guy. At least that's not how I'm viewing him. I think that he's more likely than not going to be dropped in a couple of weeks once he cools down. If you want to add him and ride that bit of a wave that he's been on, by all means. And and I'm I'm not really giving him the due credit bit of a wave. Like he's been the fifth ranked player over the last two weeks, thirty second over the last month. He's been very good. So I don't have a problem with going and adding him. Just keep your expectations fairly low in the long term. Josh Naylor is the next guy I'm going to talk about here. He's not someone who's been really talked about at all. No one really cares about Josh Naylor in the fantasy community. Thirty eight percent rostered. He doesn't really make much of a movement. Recently, he's been at it a little bit. He had a couple of home runs before the break, before the All-Star break. And if you look at what he's done on the season, 13 home runs, 47 RBIs, one steal, which you're not, you're not rushing for steals, but a 274 batting average. He's given you solid power numbers. Granted, not a ton of runs, but a good batting average. I think that he's really worthy of an ad in a lot of cases. He's providing 17th round value in standard 12-team leagues. He's about the 200th ranked player. It's not sexy. There is nothing sexy about it. No stolen bases, not a ton of runs, just solid, consistent production. He's in a surprisingly good lineup. He gives you power. He gives you average. I think Josh Naylor is very underrated. He's also a first base slash outfield eligible guy. Those infield outfield guys that's fantastic. That's exactly what you're looking for in fantasy. Guys who you can move around depending on what's going on. So Josh Naylor, solid, solid ad. I think anywhere, like even in 12-team leagues, I think that he's a reasonable player to roster. Anything deeper than that, I think he's must-roster territory. Let's keep going here with Max Meyer. He's still available in a ton of leagues. He had a rough debut last week, no question. If you look at his numbers in the minors, 277 ERA, 10.4, K per nine uh, across 35 starts. I think that in a 12-team league, Meyer should still be added. We've seen how they can develop pitchers over there in Miami. They've done a very good job recently, and Meyer appears to be no different. I don't think that he is as good as, well, it's hard to say with Edward Cabrera, Alcantara, Pablo Lopez. I don't know exactly where he's going to rank in that group, but they've done a really good job with pitching over the last few seasons. I wouldn't give up on him because of one bad start. It happens. We see it with almost everybody when they come up at first. They struggle. It's very rare to come up and flourish at the major league level. So give him a couple of starts. If you did add him, he's about 40% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Someone that you can add with a lot of upside for the second half. I think that it's a decent play. Ramon Laureano, a couple more guys we'll talk about here. Ramon Laureano, he's still available in a ton of leagues. I don't really understand why I get... Maybe it's because of the lineup that he's in and he's in not a great ballpark, but both of those things are likely to change in the next couple of weeks. I expect Loriano to get moved at the deadline. I don't know why they even bothered keeping anybody at the beginning of the year when they when they cleared house. They should have just traded Frankie Montes and traded Loriano and traded Lou Trevino and whoever the hell else. They should have just got rid of everybody at that point. They risked the injury stuff with Montes, and Montes is going to start later today, and we'll mention him a little bit later. But that's a hell of a risk they took here. I would have traded everybody before the season and just cleared the deck. We're rebuilding, yes. Maybe they had no deals open there. I think that there will be a market for Loriano, despite his suspension for PEDs last year. People remember that kind of thing. But I think there's still going to be a market based on the home runs, the steals. His average isn't great, but he's shown us in the past he can hit in that 270, 280 range. So 
I wouldn't be worried about the average, really. I think it'll be a bit better than what we've seen. 236 is low, no doubt. But he's shown us in the past that he can be up over the 280 mark. In that 260 to 280 range, I think, is more realistic going forward than 236 for him. He's only rostered in 47% of leagues. He's got that power-speed combo. I wouldn't leave him on the wire for too long. I would expect him to get scooped up in a lot of places, especially as we approach the trade deadline here. So let's start correcting that one. Nico Horner is the next guy that we will talk about. He's batting 307 on the year. I know he's kind of hidden out there, unless you're a Cubs fan and seeing it. He's kind of not really in the public view over there, but he's got a good batting average. He's hit five homers, nine stolen bases. He's eligible at second and short, and considering he's providing almost five-category production, I mean, maybe you want to argue it's four-category-ish because between the, st- uh, the runs and the RBIs, that's like a half there. He's not providing massive numbers in either of those categories, but just steady 29 runs, 27 ribbies. It's, it's not going to blow you away. Like the same thing with Josh Naylor, just steady production. A lot of people are always looking for the hottest new thing. And a lot of times you look at teams that end up winning your leagues at the end of the year, and you think that's kind of a boring team. That's, you know, that's just not flashy guys, not really a ton of waiver wire pickups that ended up staying. It was mostly just you drafted well, you picked up guys that made sense that had high floors, like Nico Horner. Going to hit you a high batting average, steal you the odd base, hit you the odd home run. I think that he's a really solid player to add. Second base it's not a great position this year. It's really not. I think if Horner can be added, he should be added, and he's still available in a lot of leagues. He's 42% rostered on Yahoo. So go ahead, take a look at Nico Horner. I think he's probably worth your time, depending on league size. Let's talk about a couple of drops, some players who have been dropped quite a bit. Not so much because we haven't seen games going on, so there's less reason for people to angrily go at midnight and hit the drop button. But Harold Ramirez, he has a broken thumb. I don't know exactly how long he's going to be out. They say he'll be reevaluated in a couple of weeks. I was never big on him, really, to begin with. I thought that this was a hot streak that you can't really expect to sustain for very long. Now, over the last two weeks, he was batting 424. Over the last month, 395. That's just not realistic. That's for anybody, but let alone Harold Ramirez. It's a shame that he got hurt, but he was bound to fall off one way or another eventually. So I have no problem dropping Harold Ramirez here. Uh, Chris Flexen is the next guy we'll talk about. He's been dropped a lot. It's because I think he was added for the Sunday start right before the break. People just forgot about fantasy for a couple days. Now they're going back, setting their lineups. And Chris Flexen is still in there, and they want to get him the hell out. Understandable. Uh, He's not terrible. He's kind of similar to his teammate Marco Gonzalez, except he strikes out a few guys. Gonzalez literally strikes out nobody. But those low strikeout, decent uh, ERA and whip kind of players. Flexen won 14 games last year. I mean, I know wins are a hard stat to to duplicate and to actually predict. Just something to note. He had similar uh, ERA and whip numbers, actually slightly better than what he's done so far this season. And he won 14 games. I don't think that there's really any need to hold on to Chris Flexen outside of deeper leagues. But he's a guy who's a low-key streamer on those probably on a lower volume day where you're just like, I, I need some extra little boost here. I need the chance of a win. My ratios kind of suck. If you need strikeouts, he's not the guy to go to. But if you're just looking for a victory, maybe lower your ERA a little bit. 
I think he can be a decent streaming option. I understand the drop here, but I think he's someone worth keeping an eye on in the second half. Isak Paredes. I've got, I usually call him Isaac, and then I correct myself afterwards. He's really, really fallen off recently. He's three for his last 30. I knew he would come back to earth, but this is a little more than I think we were all expecting. One for his last 11, three for his last 30. He had a bunch of home runs in a short period of time that was pretty clearly not sustainable. And I think all of us were a little bit fooled because it was the Rays. And you're thinking, the Rays, the Rays, the Rays. And you just assume that they got a massive fleecing done on Detroit and that Paredes is going to be the next Barry Bonds. So it doesn't appear that that is the case. Uh, really, really struggled recently. It was never going to keep up. And I, he was added in like 70% of leagues. It's like all those people who added him, unless you have a streaming spot, you would have had to drop one of your regulars. I don't think that would have made any sense with Paredes. I'm ready to drop him wherever you have him at this point. If you're in a really deep league, 20-plus team league, and you want to hold out a little bit longer, sure. But anything shallower than that, I would be totally fine to just let him go. Yandy Diaz, he's got a forearm contusion here. Uh, I'm not sure how long exactly he's going to be out. They think that he'll be ready to go uh, coming back out of the break here. But a lot of people have still dropped him today. Uh, not a crazy amount. Like I said, we haven't seen the numbers that we usually do on the ads and the drops because there hasn't been games these last couple of days. But Diaz has been dropped. He's gone down about 5% in terms of his ownership. He's batting almost 300 for the year. He doesn't provide a ton of other periphery stats, not a lot of home runs and not a lot of steals. But the runs are pretty good. The RBIs are not bad. I think he's a deep league guy, but I understand dropping him in most formats here. Shane Baz is on the 60-day IL. He's not going to be coming back until middle of September. You have to drop Shane Baz. He's 52% rostered. He is dead weight on the roster. He is total dead weight on the roster at this point. Let's say he comes back mid-September. Most leagues, my home league ends September 25th. A couple of leagues that I'm in where the commissioner didn't really bother with the settings. They just end on the last day of the season. So for argument's sake, let's say your league runs until the last day of the season, which a lot of them don't. But this is giving him the most possible time to return. October the 5th, that is the last game of the season. So let's say we get Baz back in mid-September. Assuming everything goes well, of course, as if this guy hasn't been very unlucky. And we'll just assume that everything is perfect and by middle of September he's ready to go. Is he worth holding onto your roster here and giving you a zero for the rest of the year, essentially, with the hope of two starts, maybe one start. There are going to be abbreviated starts for sure. We know the Rays. They're not crazy risk takers. They don't throw you out there for 100-plus pitches. Even McClanahan, I think, only has one start this year of 100 pitches. So let's say that he comes back and he throws 60 and then 80 pitches. And I should probably be a little more conservative with those estimates. That's probably not probably not too likely, 60 and 80. Probably... Between 50 and 70, I think, for both of those starts. Maybe the first one is 50-some-odd. The second one is 70-some-odd. you got to remember, he's got elbow problems again. He's very young. He's 23 years old. There's no need to risk him this year. They'll probably throw him out there at the end of the year for a couple starts, but I don't even think that that's guaranteed. He might just not come back this year. I think that that's a legitimate possibility. Whatever the case is, you're holding him for the rest of the season, taking up either a valuable roster spot if you don't have IL, or you're taking up a valuable IL spot when there's been a lot of injuries this year. And I know most of my teams 
I'm struggling to fill the injured list. One team in particular, I've got several people, John Birdie and Jazz Chisholm in particular, who are just sitting on my bench because there are so many injuries that I just don't have anything to do with them. If I had Baz in that league, he'd be gone because you just can't you can't take that chance. The same thing with Jack Flaherty. The same thing with Walker Bueller. You need to just get rid of these guys. It's terrible, and it's because of where you drafted them, specifically with Bueller, where you're just like, oh my god! Like, let me—I haven't checked Walker Bueller's roster percentage recently, but I'm guessing it's—it's eighty-seven percent still. Holy shit, guys! Eighty-seven percent. That's—he's not going to be able to provide you really any value this season. He might get you a couple starts, maybe right at the end. That will be short duration. That's not worth it. That's just not worth holding on to. That's. 87% of, of teams with a dead spot on their roster. That's. I understand if he's just on the IL and you've had no one else to put there, but a lot of teams have not been that lucky this year. I think a lot of people are just holding him because of the name brand value, because he was a top 10 asset last season. He might have even creeped into the top five last season. Like he was, ended off very strong last year. People remember those things. I don't think that they're really thinking clearly as a whole holding on to Walker Bueller. There's no need. And this is started off with Shane Baz, but it's the same thing with Bueller. And while I'm, while I'm on the roll here, why don't I just check Flaherty and see how rostered he is? He's down to 50%. So people have started to move on from him there. But again, you need to get him off your roster. All of these guys are complete dead weight. They say with Flaherty, he can't, well, he can't even be activated until late August. And then you got to hope in the last month that everything goes according to plan. And this year, everything has gone the complete opposite of the plan. He's thrown eight innings. All these guys, they need to be dropped. There are better options all over the place. And I'm going to talk about quickly here a couple of options. So I wrote an article on Sunday talking about five pitchers that you can add. I'm just going to briefly run through them. We'll talk about today's matchups really quickly, and then I'll let you guys go. So Ross Stripling, he's the first one. I know that I'm not unique in saying this. If you absorb content, if you watch baseball or whatever, people are telling you to grab Ross Stripling. Since June the 1st, his ERA is better than Corbin Burns, Clayton Kershaw, and Alec Manoa. Only one game this season where he has allowed more than three earned runs. It was May 7th against Cleveland, and he allowed four on that day. It's, it's pretty easy to forget he was an all-star in 2018. He's performing fairly similarly to, that, to what he did in 2018. Uh, I, I really like Stripling. I know, obviously, I'm a little biased because he plays in Toronto, but he's done a great job this season. Objectively, he has been fantastic. He's got a 3.03 ERA. I don't know what the Jays would be doing if they didn't have Ross Stripling. I think that if you're in a 12-team league and deeper, that he can be a really solid add. There's got to be one pitcher who has been worse than Ross Stripling on your roster. Now, maybe in a 12, you don't have room. If you're talking anything deeper than 12, I think absolute must roster for Ross Stripling. Alex Wood, I've written about Alex Wood quite a bit. We talked about him a little bit yesterday with Justin Mason. And this could really be applying to Alex Cobb as well. Both of these guys should be added wherever you can if they're available. They've been two of the most, probably the two unluckiest pitchers in all of baseball. And you see, especially with Wood, the 4.20 ERA, but he's got a 3.12 XFIP. You get the fourth highest BABIP in all of baseball. The fourth lowest left on base percentage. He's, and he started to turn it around recently. So I would go and add Wood and Alex Cobb. Both of those guys have been so unlucky. And the advanced numbers are so good that really there's definitely a player, definitely a pitcher that you can drop and pick up either 
Wood, Cobb, or Stripling. I don't think there's any question there. One more starter, and there's a possible issue here with this starter, is that he may go back to the bullpen. He may even go to AAA. Who knows what the Mets are going to do. It's David Peterson. When Jacob deGrom comes back, they're going to have six viable starters. deGrom, Scherzer, Walker, Carrasco, Bassett, and David Peterson. They're all, right now, for me, must-roster guys. If they put Peterson in the pen, that's a different story. But as of right now, he has been so dominant recently over this last month. Third highest strikeout per nine behind only Spencer Strider and Shohei Otani. He's pitching to a 2.11 xFIP. It'll be a real damn shame if he's not starting games in the second half. It's possible. Uh, whatever the case is for right now, we don't know. And I would go ahead and add him if you can. Uh, he's still available in a lot of leagues. He's about, uh, let me pull it. I just had it up here. I'm going to pull it up again. 52% rostered. I expect that they'll go with a six-man rotation at least for a while to ease the Grom back in, although I don't think either he or Scherzer will be happy about it. Less starts and whatnot. But I think that that's what they'll do for at least a little while, probably the first few weeks anyway, and then they'll reevaluate, see what has to happen. Maybe they stick with six. I'm not sure. But for now, Peterson is an ad for me. Talk about a couple of relief pitchers now who one of them is a closer, one of them is not. We'll start with the closer, Brett Martin. If you are in the market for some saves, he's about as solid of an option as you're going to get. He's up to 39% rostered here on Yahoo Leagues. He's converted three saves since he's gotten the closing job. Hasn't blown any. Uh, Six innings, three saves, four strikeouts. He's been very serviceable. He's not a guy who's going to knock your socks off, but if you're looking for saves, you can't really be... uh, Beggars can't be choosers, right? you got to take what you can get on the wire right now. He's pretty much what you can get. If you are looking for a couple extra saves, maybe some holds, he is a guy to add. Not sure exactly if he will be the closer forever. Joe Barlow may get it back when he comes back off the IL. It might move Martin back down to some kind of 7th, 8th inning role, but he could still probably get you some saves uh, here and there, and then plus, like I said, the odd hold. So I think Martin... I think he makes a solid ad right now. I don't know how long-term it will be, but for now, he should be on every roster just about. The last ad we will talk about for today is Andres Munoz. Now, I understand it can be hard to roster a relief pitcher who doesn't give you saves, but you have to hear me out here. He is so elite with the ratios, especially as of late. He's up to 15 straight scoreless innings with 30 strikeouts. He's been fantastic this season. He really has, and it's... He's flown under the radar because he doesn't get you saves, but he's got he's striking out nearly 40% of batters. He does have 10 holds. His XFIP is 2.01, and, and he throws 103 miles an hour. He's capable of throwing that quickly. So on nights or even in stretches of time where you're maybe looking at a week and you're saying, there's not really much going on in terms of streamers. Uh, I don't know what to do here. You can pick up a guy like Munoz for any stretch of time, really, a week, two weeks, even just indefinitely. He'll give you a lot of strikeouts. He won't give up a lot of runs. And I think that we as a society, and I do this too as a society, as a fantasy baseball segment of society, we focus in on streamers like crazy. I am guilty of this too. But sometimes you don't need to be looking at streamers. You can just roster a guy like Munoz, like Juwan Duran, uh, like Helsley earlier in the year, or Michael King. Even when they're not getting saves, they're still providing you good ratios with decent strikeouts and providing a ton of fantasy value. So if you can add one of those guys, I know that Helsley is pretty much impossible to find at this point. Duran is not, King is not, and Munoz is really not. They're all under 50% rostered or in that 50% or lower range. 
they can really be of service to your teams down the stretch as opposed to taking a desperation shot in the dark on a streamer in a poor matchup just because they're starting. It doesn't. That's not the be-all and end-all. So uh, I, I like Munoz. I like adding any of those guys who are able to give you the high strikeouts with the low ratios. He's one of those dudes for sure. Let's quickly run through the starting pitching matchups today, and then I will get you guys out of here. So one ten p.m., we have a couple of games going on. <clears throat> Yankees and Astros is the first one. Jordan Montgomery and Christian Javier. A lot of people are kind of upset with Jordan Montgomery, I think, and it's not really his fault. And I, when I say upset, I mean Yankees and baseball fans. He's got a 3.27 ERA and a 1.04 whip. He's been as about as good as you can possibly expect. It's just the Yankees don't give him any run support. I think there's been like, like two times this year where he's gotten more than four runs or some, some some terrible stat like that. Like He's really been a lot better than the three wins would suggest. He's a must-roster player for me at, at this point. Uh, it's a tough matchup against Houston, so I would understand sitting him here, but he needs to be on rosters. He's about 70% owned in Yahoo!, if if he's still sitting on the waiver wire, he's probably, like I said earlier, he's probably better than your worst pitcher. On the other side, Christian Javier, one of my favorite pitchers in baseball. He's had a couple of rough outings back-to-back here. He's another guy that I'm not too interested in starting today, and I know one of these guys will probably do well, and I'll end up looking like a fool, but I'd rather take the take the risk-averse route here. Sit them both down. There's, you know, first day of the week, or you're heading into the weekend, and you need to really be careful about your categories. Either way here, we got two high-powered offenses. Yes, two very quality pitchers, especially Javier. But for me, I think neither of them is really a must-play guy today. Uh, In in the leagues where I have Javier, he's going to be on the bench. Let's keep this one going. Rangers and Marlins, that is the next game. John Gray and Pablo Lopez. We talked about John Gray on the show quite a bit. We talked about him with Ryan Bloomfield last week about a guy who can turn it around in the second half. And he has turned it around already as of late. Over the last month, he has a 2.64 ERA with four victories, 37 strikeouts in 30 and two-thirds innings pitched. He's been great leaving Colorado. He's lowered his ERA for the year down to 3.71. He's another guy, 70% rostered. Most leagues, he's going to be scooped up, especially competitive ones. But if he's still there, go ahead and grab him. He's a great start today. Pablo Lopez, same thing. Texas's offense isn't terrible. We've seen it recently with Corey Seager picking things up. Marcus Simeon has turned his season around. I'm still not really worried about them. I think both of these guys make really strong starts today. I know Lopez has not been quite as sharp as we've seen him as he was at the beginning of the year. He had a bit of a rough June. Started to turn things around before the All-Star break. I have no problem thinking that he can be successful today against Texas. Let's keep this one going now with Oakland and Detroit. We have Tariq Skubal and Zach Logue taking the hill now. I know a lot of people are very frustrated with Tariq Skubal, and a lot of people have dropped him now. His ERA has ballooned up to somewhere where around where I thought it would be. It's at 4.11. Coming into the year, I wasn't so big on him. You look at his XFIP and his FIP. So the XFIP is 3.28. The FIP is, uh, Jesus, it was right here, 3.02. It shows you that he's gotten kind of unlucky. He's only leaving 65% of batters on base. The BABIP is 315, which is about 20, 30 points higher than where it normally is for him. I'm ready to go and take a chance on him in the second half. I wasn't big coming into the season on Tariq Skubal, for sure. Like He was one of my main guys I was staying away from. But he's been dropped in a lot of leagues. He was over 90% rostered. He's down to 76. If he's sitting on your, if he's sitting on your waiver wire, I think that he is a really strong add for the hope of a second-half turnaround. He's got a great opponent here today regardless. He is the guy, if I was going to pick up somebody today, it would be Tariq Skubal. Zach Logue on the other side. 
not a lot of faith in him. He has not performed very well so far this season. Just overall, <clears throat> very mediocre. A lot of home runs given up. No control, really. It's a great opportunity to use Tigers in your DFS lineups. I know everybody loves to use Tigers in their DFS lineups. But your guys like your Miguel Cabrera's and your Jonathan Scopes. I haven't actually checked the starting lineup. Have they announced the lineup? Uh, I don't think they've announced one yet. It's a really good opportunity for cheap Tigers players uh, to be mixed into DFS lineups today. Very short DFS slate today if you are playing, so not a lot of great options, but that is definitely one of them. Second half of the Yankees-Astros twin bill is Domingo Herman and Luis Garcia. We spent a long time talking about Herman at the beginning of the video. I'm not a fan today. I think if you're going to add him, should be in a deeper-ish format. And if you do, then sit him down for this start. Luis Garcia, he's become one of my favorite pitchers in baseball. Very solid stuff we've seen from him this season. And it, uh, the general story with him is that every time out, he's pretty solid. And then there's the odd time where there's five earned runs. And it just kind of it makes you kind of forget how solid he is. But four out of every five starts are really good. He's got a 365 ERA for the year. Good strikeouts. Giving up maybe too many home runs. 15 home runs so far this season. It's not terrible, but it's a little bit on the higher side for sure. I think that it's a risky start, but I'd be a little bit more inclined maybe because it's a night game to start him. I think the guys, especially midweek, if you're playing a day game, first game back, it's, it's going to throw you off a little bit. I think that'll apply to pitchers and hitters, but I'd have more faith in hitters making adjustments there than pitchers. I think for me, Garcia's a fine start in the second half here. If there's Of all the four pitchers throwing uh, today in Houston, Garcia, Herman, Montgomery, and Javier, Garcia is the one that I'd have the most faith in throwing out there. So I, I would I would I would lean towards tossing them today. Let's move on to the second half of the Tigers and the Oakland doubleheader. I can't even imagine the viewership for this one. It's going to be rough. Garrett Hill and Frankie Montes. Yes, Frankie Montes is back. He has been cleared to start. Hoping nothing changes the next couple hours. I'm hoping he's able to go out there have one or two solid starts before the trade deadline and really be able to boost his value. Get him the hell out of Houston, or out of Houston, out of Oakland. I think that it will do wonders for his fantasy value to get somewhere else. Now, he's in a very good pitcher's park, but he's only got three victories because of the lack of offense around him. 326 ERA and a 1.08 whip. You would have expected that in 17 starts he'd have more than three victories, but that's just what you get playing for this brutal, brutal athletics team. He's a strong start for me today. I'm going to go and push the chips into the middle with Frankie Montes. He's, pay, he's playing against a terrible team. He knows that he is trying to build up his trade stock. He wants to be traded, I'm sure. There's no reason to want to stay on the Titanic, which is essentially what Oakland is at this point. I expect him to push it into another gear tonight against the fairly lowly Tigers team and be successful. On the other side, we have Garrett Hill, who's had, I believe, one good start and one bad start. Yeah, he did well against Cleveland, and he was kind of poor against Chicago. There's no need to add him here. It's Yes, Oakland's a great offense to stream against, but I, I don't see any need to add Garrett Hill here. I think that's no, – no fantasy move needs to be done there. Let's talk about the last game of the night here. We have Carlos Rodon and Mitch White. Now, I think I'm actually going to be starting Rodon, despite the tough matchup, because he's done very well against the Dodgers this season. His most recent outing was six innings on June 12th at home. Two hits, no earned runs, struck out eight. The time before that was at Dodger Stadium, May the third, six innings, three hits, two earned runs. Only struck out three, but he was still able to give you six quality innings there. 
I really like Rodon. He's really turned his season around recently. These last few starts have been really good. Not so great against Arizona, yes, but everything else over the last like two months, month and a half has been exceptional. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here against the tough offense that he will be a start. Mitch White, I'm a little indifferent about Mitch White. He's coming off of a bad start against St. Louis. He shouldn't be that bad again. Gave up six runs, two homers. Only struck out three and walked two. Definitely a rough outing for him. Overall, like I said, um, you can take it or leave it, really. I'm not going to be so inclined to go and add him today. I think he's available in a lot of leagues if you were looking to stream. But for me, uh, I'm just not so impressed by what he's been able to give us so far. So I I don't see any need to use a, a stream on Mitch White for today. Guys, that's going to wrap it up for me. We're going to be back here tomorrow looking at weekend streaming options, talking about a recap of these few games that we've had today. It's nice to have real baseball back. We can all take a deep breath, a collective sigh, and just be happy we can sit on the couch and watch actual baseball as opposed to what I've been watching these last couple of days, which is essentially first half, you know, best catches and, and st- stupid crap, really. Uh, they try and fill the void of no content. Yesterday was a tough day to be a sports fan, man. There was nothing going on. I guess there was the ESPYs. I watched a few minutes of that. And, uh, it wasn't great, to be honest with you. I don't know if you guys saw it. I, you, don't, you didn't miss much if you missed the thing. Uh, a couple of nice little moments mixed in. But overall, it, I'm very glad that there's real baseball today. Let's just put it that way. If you missed yesterday's show, we had Justin Mason on. A fantastic conversation with Justin. We made some bold predictions, some of them bolder than others. I made a couple of, I wouldn't say outlandish claims, but a couple of a couple of uh, predictions that you guys are going to want to go back and hear if you didn't check out yesterday's show. Hit the follow button over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. You never miss any of my content if you're following over there, whether it be podcasts, articles, different Twitter threads. All of it is over on Twitter, so... Check it out. Subscribe to the show. That's something I'd really appreciate all you guys doing. If you can't make it one day, I understand life gets in the way. A lot of podcasts that I listen to, sometimes you just can't listen to it one day for whatever reason. You can really help me out by subscribing to the show so that you still download it on those days where you can't listen to it. And then you get helped out in situations where maybe you don't have Wi-Fi or something like that. you got an episode downloaded. You can pass a half hour or an hour. So download, like, subscribe, do all that great stuff. We'll be back with a weekend streaming show tomorrow. Cheers, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.